Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Hey, I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about the first part of 2020. But like, mostly Birds of Prey and Sonic, and some other things. Twenty January twenty twenty in February, all all good movies. Just they're all here. We've started out so strong, you know. Well, can I say something? Yeah, what's up? I don't think it's been as weak as it has been in past years. <laughs> I think it's been okay. I think you're right. There's been a weird sense of event about some of the January and February movies that I feel hasn't necessarily been true in past years. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's 100% translated to box office success, but I feel like there has been a higher quality of film out right now. So I'm pretty sure... Oh, what one of my films has above a three? <laughs> one we got there everybody yeah you're a harder grader than i am though i'm like three okay time <laughs> we did it everyone we made a coherent film <laughs> <laughs> i've enjoyed my time at the cinema thus far there have only been a couple of them that i had that were kind of schlongs but you know we'll talk through uh for the most part, uh, Kylie and I have logged on Letterboxd six 2020 films each. We each have one different. I'm going to say that I think Kylie's is better than mine. That's the one different. How do you know? I saw your Letterboxd ranking. My, oh, my film yeah. is better than your film? Yes. Well, you might have a different opinion because you have a thing called taste. And I have, oh, okay. a, I have a thing called... <laughs> Kylie, you also have a thing called taste. We just have different tastes. Yeah, mine's just bad. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Hey, every guy, every hey, everyone. <laughs> We're here talking about some great films. Um, uh, how do you want to do this? How do you want to we go start about with the it? first film we saw? It was January. We went to the theater and saw The Gentleman. <laughs> We did. We did go see the gentleman. Uh-huh. Uh, we went together. Here are the takeaways from the gentleman. Uh, plaid suits. Plaid suits are great. Gotta plaid love them. jumpsuits. Plaid jumpsuits. Track suits. Track suits. Plaid track suits. Yeah. On board. Uh, another takeaway. Colin Farrell. Still great. Uh-huh. Another takeaway. Um, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant? Uh -huh. um, yeah. Hugh Grant? Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yep. <laughs> Doing something weird. <laughs> I like how there are so many folks who are like, yeah, Hugh Grant's doing something, like, strange. It's really unique and nice to see. And I was like, Paddington? Paddington, everybody. No, We, we it, all got here. No, no one saw that. But, um, I think that, I just think that he's doing, going down a strange path in his career, and I think we should all stand behind him. I, yeah, I'll stand, Hugh Grant. Um... What else did we learn? Uh, uh, Henry Golding, still handsome. Uh-huh. 
Oh, uh, we've learned that I've seen every Henry Golden film in theaters. No. Oh, wait, which one did I miss? You need to clarify that. Clarifying statement. Every Henry Golden film that's been released in the theaters I've seen? You didn't see all of his China ones, I didn't think. Into American theaters. Yeah. There we go. Is okay. It, yeah. It was English language films. There you go. Yes. I was specific. You didn't know fair. I was just trying to clarify. Um, uh, Charlie Hunnam, you know, straight man. No, not, not, nothing special, but you know what? Okay. Uh, we learned that Matthew McConaughey is good in Lincoln commercials. Uh-huh. Um, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's the guy? Who's the other guy? The rules. I knew his name until this moment. What's his name? It's Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong? I had to get to Mark Strong to Jeremy Strong. Jeremy so, Strong, yes. right. Uh, Jeremy Strong. Uh, hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, starts a weird trend? Maybe it's just two movies. Ambiguous sexuality for villainous characters. The rules? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... I, I, I mean, I think I, I enjoyed my time with the gentleman. Yeah. Um, it was... It was a fine time. Guy Ritchie doing the Guy Ritchie thing that made Guy Ritchie famous. Mm -hmm. He's clearly enjoying himself. Which is far better than when he's making other things. Yes. Um, I mean, I can't super speak for the Sherlock Holmes movies because I feel like those are also like... Right, it, he just glommed that story into his wheelhouse. Here's what I will say. Yeah. And the second one's a trash fire. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some really inspired sequences to this, to the gentleman. Mm -hmm. I think that the performances are all really good. Um, I don't care at all about the story. Uh, I don't actually think Matthew McConaughey cared about being there. Felt like he was walking through that sucker. Um, and I don't find... Guy Ritchie's specific taste of humor, humor, uh, specifically mixed in with his homophobic and racist jokes. I'll need those in my life. Yeah, yeah. What's next? What's next on our early twenty twenty list? The rhythm section. The rhythm section. Loved it. <laughs> Tried to stay awake in it. See, Josh, she said that was the hardest thing you've ever done, and I disagree. You fall asleep sleep at films. That's why it was hard to stay awake in. Some okay. of them, I'm like, oh, this is sleeping through well, this summer. Then the hardest thing that you've done, you failed at because you were successful this time. You get your gold star. Yeah, it was hard to do. But you said it was the hardest thing. Oh, it might have been <laughs> the hardest thing ever. I was really trying to stay awake. I loved it. Loved every moment. <laughs> Of this slow brooding movie <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, that rushes through any mystery, and <laughs> is not overall not very good. Loved it. Um, twenty twenty albums are great. <laughs> it was slow. Blake Lively. Blake Lively was there. <laughs> Jude Law was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sterling K. Brown was a hologram. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Loved it. Josh couldn't be more on board with it. I wanted to be on board with this movie. Uh, I think you said, like, slow, brutal, punishing movie. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it never chooses to be anything else. It has... N- even... There's, like, one bit. There's, like, one single bit. And even that's, like... Okay, well, this was this was fine. Yeah, this whole film is just one tonal of, like, we're sad. And, like, not in a way that it's, like, we're learning and being reflective, which is, like, Schindler's List. But, like, this is just... <laughs> you will feel melancholy the whole time. And that's all this film had to bring you. Is it the world sad? <laughs> Go try to beat some people up. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Blake Lively's, Lively's character is never established other than a, pa- a puddle of sadness, which, you know, I was like, let's go, puddle of sadness. Whoa, 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 what do you mean? She's the type of person that has a family and she did, plays no longer. games and drinks wine. Those are very specific character traits that literally no one else in the world could have. Yeah, I liked my time here, and here's why. Because it took my mind off of the world around me. I... It did not do that for me. I think, for me, and I really like Blake Lively, I think she's pretty miscast in this movie, because one of Blake Lively's greatest strengths is her charisma on screen. She is engaging and she builds these characters that you kind of, you know, enjoy watching and spending time with. And it seemed like whether it her choice or the director's choice, it seemed like they just kept trying to make her smaller and smaller and smaller and just presenting this really raw, beaten down version of this character and I'm not necessarily saying that her performance is bad because I think if those being the choices that they wanted to put forth they did a very good job of putting those forward I just I everything that I wanted out of a Blake Lively performance was not here in this movie and I think that was something that I was at least hoping that okay we, we might start in some ways but then we were gonna allow the character to maybe grow and express itself and become in some way engaging I never felt that it got there <laughs> Though, you were right. You were right. Good job. Oh, thank you. With yeah. the plot? Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. I could smell it a mile away. Yep. <laughs> we watched the trailer, and I had one plot prediction, and Kylie had another, and Kylie was right. There you go. Yeah. Always go against what Josh says. <laughs> Just go do the exact opposite of what Josh... Don't trust television. <laughs> That's all I will say. (laughs) Yeah, fair. The television, it lies to you. Yeah. Um, This is by a director named Reed Morano. She has two other films, one of which is I Think We're Alone Now, which is a weird film from 2018 uh, that I don't like. And I haven't heard of this other one called Meadowland. I hadn't heard of either of these films. 
six. Up next is Gretel and Hansel. Okay. Actually, up next for you, I think, is Bad Boys. For me, yeah. We can do Bad Boys. We can do the individuals right now. That's fine, too. All right. Go with Gretel and Hansel. Well, no, we're going in order. I think you saw Bad Boys 3 before I saw Gretel and Hansel. Oh, okay. I understand. Bad Boys 3. Oh, Bad Boys 3. Okay. Bad Boys for Life. I watched this last night. Uh-huh. Um, I texted you moments before it started. Is there anything I need to know from 2 to understand now? Because I'm not... Guys, I'm sorry. Mia culpa. I'm not a big fan of the first one. It's okay. Okay? I'm sorry. Now, that led me to only watch about the first 15 minutes of the second one before I said, I've had about enough of this. And I turned it off. <laughs> the second one is apparently the better one of the two. Mm-hmm. There are certainly more explosions. Okay. It's kind of like that thought that you have on the Bill and Ted series. I was listening to a podcaster, because for a while I was thinking that you were right and everyone agreed with you, but I was listening to a podcast, and it re- they said, it's an opinion to have <laughs> the rest of us, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> where was I going with this? So anyways... I'm not a big fan of Bad Boys, so why did I go see this? Well, Josh saw it, and so therefore, I'm trying to keep up this year. So I went and saw Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. I don't care much for Marcus or Mar Mark. Mike? 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 Mike Lowry. Mike is Will Smith. And Marcus. Is Martin Lawrence. Yep, not a big fan of them. Okay. But you know who I like? <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I don't dislike, I don't dislike them, but I, the film, the film has some commentary about how it's kind of ridiculous that Will Smith is still trying to do this, and it's kind of like, well, Martin's character, yeah, like, you guys can retire now, it's okay. But then the film goes back and says, like, no, we gotta set, we gotta go with my Kulari, and I was like, okay. Um, what I did like was I really liked the surrounding cast. I thought they were great. I really liked Ammo. I would just watch an Ammo movie. <laughs> Yeah. Which one's Ammo? Ammo is the name of the group that they're in. So oh, with, okay. With Alexander Lud Lud Ludwig, Ludwig yeah. of District 2. Uh-huh. You know, when I saw him in the Hunger Games, I was like, what are they feeding that kid? <laughs> and now in this film, I was like, what are they feeding this guy? <laughs> He's the computer guy who can really mess stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, he was so gentle. He yeah. was a gentle child. I liked him, yeah. Um, Vanessa Hudgens, I thought, was fun. Uh, the guy from The Sun is also a star. I thought that he was... <sighs> Good time. I thought he was a person. <laughs> the lady who's in charge of everything thought she was great. Who's somehow a love interest? I love it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. And then every time I was Mike and Marcus, I was like, okay. <laughs> all right and then like marcus like spoilers Mark, marcus retires and then he comes back onto the force which we all know is gonna happen so it's not really spoilers but i was like isn't this illegal like don't you have to go back through the whole hiring process no apparently not <laughs> apparently you can be a vigilante for Listen, free i mean it was in mexico joey so. pants Oh, who deserves an Oscar. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up the most important part of this movie was Joey Pants' performance. <laughs> and I was watching, I was like, man, we really need more pants. Yeah. 
This is a good set of pants. I mean, listen. Good pair. Nope. He's a set. <laughs> he's a good pair of pants. Um, you asked me right before, and I said no, because my movie was about to start... Um, and I wanted to go more, but then it got really dark, and I was like, no, I should put my phone away. Those are the people in the theater. Okay. Um, because I was like, no, and in fact, it's probably better that you haven't seen the second one. Perfect. Because there are some things that they reference in the third one that I'm like, are we just ignoring this? Great, we're just ignoring this. Is Brandy in the second one? Who? Brandy? Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Aisha Tyler? Okay. Yes. Is that Marcus's sister? Yes. He dated her. Yeah. That was a line. Not brought up. No, it was a line in the movie. Yeah, okay. But my continuity issue for the Bad Boys franchise. Oh, he didn't love her. Yeah, like what? No, that's disagree with what you put forth in the other movie, I... but all right. Oh, listen. Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> uh, yeah. That would be good men. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, yeah, things were just... Things were just it, I don't know. None of the Bad Boys movies to me are better than the other ones. They're all exactly the same. They're on a straight um, line. They're all... Like, I'm pretty sure that I gave uh, the, the, the first Bad Boys, like, two. Mm-hmm. And then Bad Boys 2 gets, like, two and a half. More explosions. And then this one probably also gets, like, two and a half. Okay. Uh, the way people talk about Bad Boys, I thought it was, like, actually a good movie. No, they're Michael Bay movies. Well, look, he... It has sometimes something in him. It's called The Rock. <laughs> These are the most... I think they're the most stylized okay. Michael Bay movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really kind of boil down and see what it is that he's doing. Like it also he... feels like a smaller version of a Michael yes. Bay film. Just kind yeah. of like from what I remember. Because like now when I think of Michael Bay, it's so diluted in like CGI robots fighting. But, like, when I think about Bad Boys and they're like, oh, yeah, Michael Bay did that, that seems very, like, it feels a lot smaller. Yeah, it's it, it's a more personal story for Bay mm-hmm. in some ways. Yes, it's, it's a, they're weirdly character-y driven, and though I don't love um, spending all the time with these characters, I do think the dynamic is really fun. Uh, Mike, Lowry. I think they are good performances, everyone. Yes, I agree with I, that. Every time I speak, I hold my hands up <laughs> to show that I am, <laughs> I am trying to surrender. Um, I agree. I think that Will Smith as Mike is, is really, he's good. He's doing his Will Smith thing. I don't love Mike Lowry. I don't like that character, though. Um, specifically outside in two and three is where I really start to dislike that character. Well, in the first one, Martin Lawrence is the main is the is the protagonist. Yes, and then Hotshot over here, yeah, comes in. I mean, this is nothing but the good cop bad cop eighties cop formula. It's all it is. It just is still going. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Lawrence, I think, is the like shining star of all of these movies, and Martin Lawrence still great. I actually quite enjoyed him. Uh, anytime Martin Lawrence says the word witch, God, he had me for days. I was on board with it. Let's go. Keep talking about witches, Martin Lawrence. Um, yeah. You're I... in love with a witch? Bruja? <laughs> <laughs> Bru? Okay, yeah. So there might be magic in this film. <laughs> um, happened in the first five or so minutes, and I went, unclear <laughs> what we are dealing with. <laughs> Yeah, I do... So, the third one, Bad Boys for Life, not 
Directed by Michael Bay. Okay. Actually, I think a pretty decent thing. Because, weirdly enough, like, this movie wants to talk about aging and what it means to, like, grow up into an actual person and dealing with the sins of your past. Mm -hmm. Though it doesn't do them necessarily, like, any sort of, like, really deep or cathartic way. It wants to have the conversation, which is more than I think anything uh, the first Bad Boys films want to do. Yeah, well, I I do think it wants to... I think that it is in some way, like, maybe not a a criticism, but, like, a reflection on... Will Smith's career now? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the proper words because this film... Maybe I wanted the film to do this and the film doesn't do this, but I kept... I was like, yeah, maybe Will Smith, you should stop. <laughs> and then uh, the film's like, no, I'm gonna keep going. And then in the end, it all works out. Well, and not to get into, like, the spoiler territory of, like, what ends up happening, though it's hard to spoil a movie like this because you kind of know from beginning and end. Um, oh, I was the... I was taken aback by the twist. <laughs> Let me tell y'all. <laughs> what? What? No! 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 Let me tell all of you. <laughs> I've seen Gemini Man. I know the twist. Yeah, it's pretty much just Gemini Man. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something. I just didn't expect him to make it the same movie months apart. Um, I, I mean, say... like, I wasn't, like, blown away by the twist, but I wasn't like, oh, I figured it out, like, 20 minutes in, I was just sitting there being like, okay. Oh, better mystery than Knives Out. No, well, no, no. <laughs> no, because from the beginning, here's the difference. Oh, okay. Here's the uh, difference. Okay, okay. When you are, there, the expectation when you go into a mystery movie, it's uh-huh. that there's a mystery uh-huh. that you're trying to figure out. Okay, great. I didn't go into Bad Boys being like, I'm going to solve this sucker. All right, Agatha, here we go. I wasn't the Detective Pikachu when I went to go see Bad Boys for Life. I was Kylie. I was Justice Smith. Uh, they, they set up the fact that, like, this is the last one, and then very quickly they're like, psych. There could be more of these. For life. Yeah, they really wasted the title, I agree. Um, I didn't realize that their saying was ride together, die together. Uh-huh. And so that was the tagline. And I was like, so one of them dies. Or maybe both. And that did not no. happen. No, yeah. Um, I also, guys, want to tell you something. The song Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Okay, no, I need a I need a history lesson, Josh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did okay. Now let me get through my whole spiel and then you can answer. Great. So I thought that the song happened in our real world and then the movie came out and was named after it. However, what I have learned is that song also exists in this world and they reference it and they call themselves that. Uh, so, so, so does the song come first and then the movie, or do they come out together? Song comes first. Okay. I'm pretty sure the song is... So these guys are just losers that are like, we're the Blue Man Group now. Yes. Um, so I'm pretty sure the song is, I don't, I don't so here's what I don't know. Google, Google can fact check me. The song is the theme show to the, to, is a theme song to the show Cops. Cops. Oh. And I'm pretty sure that it's written for that. And then it becomes a big uh, a hit, so to speak. It becomes a big hit. Um, we name three movies after yes. it. And then they kind of incorporate it because they are cops. Okay. 
And I think that's and that's the tr tr the thing there. And the Martin Lawrence running joke through all of them is they don't know the words because no one knows the words outside of Bad Boys. Bad Boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. So the song exists in universe. Yes. Official the whole time. Yeah. And they call themselves the Bad Boys. Did you catch? The cameo. Michael Bay's in yeah, it. He's he the wedding announcer. Yeah. He's like, oh, you guys get married. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I was, I, I, yeah. I gave yeah. a standing ovation, which was obnoxious because I was in the front row. Papa Bay passed the franchise on and said goodbye. I listened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Go for it, Bay. If you want to be done with this, be done with it. Yep. Um, what was the first movie we talked about? The Gentleman. Okay. And then the rhythm section. Okay. Then bad boys. Alright. I'm keeping track of some, some some things in my brain. Alright. Okay. So what I saw actually after the rhythm section was a film called uh, Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Eman the Fanta the Fantastic or Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, also known as Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. <laughs> so full titles being Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey parentheses or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn in parentheses. Is that the whole name that they're That's going? That's not with? the whole okay. name. Basically, it's Birds of Prey or it's Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey, and they've erased the parentheses. All right, so yeah. Birds of Prey, <laughs> uh, which I was worried about from the get go. <laughs> I have been worried about this for months. And then I sat down and I had a lovely time. I sat alone <laughs> and watched this movie. Were you in an empty theater? Uh-huh. Oh, man. I was in a completely empty theater. When did you go? Oh, uh, opening day. Mm -hmm. Opening night. Friday. Our friend that we don't know, Matt Patches, also had the same experience. It was sad. <laughs> Um, what else? Um, yeah, so I went and saw Harley Quinn Birds of Prey all by myself. Um. I went on Thursday afternoon. Okay. And was not all by myself. Well, that's good there to hear. There was five other people in the theater. You know how many people were in Bad Boys? It was a nearly sold out movie. Last night? Yeah. Wow. For life, Josh. We're gonna be stuck with them for life. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Uh, and I, I just, I think I just had a good time. A good old hunking time. I am surprised uh -huh. at how much I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I think, however, the sum of the pieces are better than the whole. Yes. For example... <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, I love her. Love every instance. On board. <laughs> so awkward, and I love it. I think it's also paced out well enough that you don't get too much of it. Yeah. Like, and it's in and out. Um, she has a great line where she's yelling about what type of weapon she has, and she yells, it's not a bow and arrow, I'm not 12. And I thought... Yeah, uh, that sounds like me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I... Uh, what were some of the things you didn't like? Oh, why do I have to start with... Okay, things I don't like. I do like a lot of things about this movie. Um, so, so I want to spend time with those. But to answer your question... Let's start... Um, let's start starting from the bottom. <laughs> I... 
it didn't I don't I didn't love the there's a lot of stylistic choices mm -hmm. that just seem to be style for style's sake um and then there was a lot of tonal and stylistic mismatches like it felt like they were trying every time they introduced a new character a specifically a new member of the birds of prey mm -hmm. that they were trying to do like different cinematic styles or movies you know whether it be a, uh, like a gritty crime drama or a kind of like loungy noir type film or a revenge thriller yeah like mm -hmm. and i don't know if i don't think a they hit it hard enough mm -hmm. and b they didn't tone shift at all they just kind of smashed it into each other yeah this film reminds me of one uh, one Mr. Schumacher in the tone and style in a lot of ways. Um, though I think that it's updated for 2020. But as I was watching it, I was I was getting flashes back to like Batman and Robin and Batman Forever with like this is more cartoonish uh -huh. than a lot of other things. But I will say that I liked I preferred this tone and style as opposed to some of the other tones and oh, styles great. that I've, I've seen with superhero films. Not even just DC films in general, but like superhero films. It felt like they were in some ways, and I understand why they, they had to do that. It felt like they were trying to at least tip a small cap to the style and pacing that was Suicide, Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. um, the The old Batman touchstone point that I kept coming to with this was Batman the Animated Series, which had always kind of walked that line between Schumacher and Burton, mm -hmm. because it, it kind of lives in that era where Burton establishes the world, and Schumacher kind of turns it up to 12, and then the Animated Series just lets it live in the middle. And I know that that's where Harley Quinn is, is from. That is her origin, is in that cartoon as well. And so I actually think it's a really good idea and a really bold stroke for them to be like, this is going to feel like an extension of that cartoon series. It feels like a cartoon. It opens up as a cartoon. It has a lot of Looney Tunes references in there. She is very much a Bugs Bunny-esque little stinker type character. Like when she's dressed up at the police station. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that that actually works to the film's advantage mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and that is some of the really fun aspects of it that I do get behind and get on board with. Um, what I do think it does better than Suicide Squad is that Suicide Squad wants to have, like, this upbeat rhythm to it. Uh-huh. Um, to make it kind of stand out against Batman v Superman and even Man of Steel. But it gets bogged down as soon as the crisis happens and yeah. then they're in the middle of that. And it's no longer that fun time and now and this one I do feel like it keeps it keeps up that energy a lot better than Suicide Squad does and it's just overall more enjoyable yeah um I agree I don't know if I love all of the plotty elements of it um it, it kind of does a weird thing where like not that it was necessarily hard to follow, but it kind of it, goes forward and then it jumps back and then it does it again and then it goes back even further. And it's very Deadpool. Yes, yeah, and it is. It, it just feels like I don't. I don't. I stylistically, 
So the film has a stylistic rhythm and a plot rhythm. And to do that really works with a stylistic rhythm, but really messes with the plot mechanics of the movie. And like, therefore, I don't care as much about the plot plot of the movie. I like the characters, and I like what they're doing. And if it wasn't for the uh, really likable and good performance of, of whoever plays Cassandra Cain... Um, Dante Brasco's niece. Yes. Um... <laughs> Something Brasco. Something something Brasco. I don't know if her last name is Brasco. I think it might be. Um, Okay, here's what I'm remembering. I'm remembering a C, a J. Ella J. Bosco. Oh, an Ella J. and a Brasco. Okay. Uh Anyway, I think she's really good at grounding at least the... What we're trying to protect. It doesn't seem like she's an object. Mm -hmm. It seems like she's a person. And every character around her that's trying to protect her seems to genuinely want to protect her for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the stunts of this movie. Actually, the fight choreography is solid. You referenced Tahelski earlier. My boy. Um, I don't know I if could... it was him specifically, but they brought on his team. Mm-hmm. I think he might have also been involved. It was very, like, so, it's that funhouse scene especially. Yes. As I was watching the, I was like, wow, this, like, feels inspired. <laughs> and um, I looked into it, and it is the John Wick people. I Stahelski's name was thrown a lot around from all the research yeah. that I did, so I would I would say that he was involved with it. There's are probably other people who are helping out, but I think that I really liked the action yes. in this film. I think that um, in terms of with a lot of other superhero movies of this time, I think that it was a lot better than what we see from a lot of other films. I overall just really enjoyed that sequence. There was that one take where everyone takes turns like grabbing Cassandra Kane and protecting her. And overall, I yeah. just, I, I think that that was a really fun time. Um, I agree with that cutting back and forth between things, but it, I also was just like, I guess this is what the film's gonna do, and I was um, enjoying so, it. To jump back real fast to Helski, the Collider article that I have pulled up, mm-hmm. uh, design, so he came in to design and work on additional scenes along with the director, Kathy Yang, mm-hmm. and basically is coming in to oversee, uncredited, the second unit photography on Birds of Prey. Stahelski did specifically. So that's kind of where some of that is. And I, and I love what he brings in there. And I, I, I just, how the choreography is very, or the choreography is very character centric. Um, one of my other issues possibly is not so much an issue with the movie itself as much as Harley Quinn as a character. Uh, are, Watching the animated series, Harley Quinn episodes were ones that I would honestly kind of skip unless they were, as a kid, unless they were like Poison Ivy. I liked Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy together. I didn't necessarily care for her as like the Joker's sidekick. And and to try to put into reasons why as a child, I would I would have just said that I found her character annoying. Um, what are you to, talking about? <laughs> to go back now... I think I would say that that those choices are problematic, which is probably why I don't enjoy watching them. So the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie where 
we are dealing with we we very understandably have to bridge the gap between the Suicide Squad version of Harley Quinn and what the Harley Quinn is for the rest of this movie. And it's the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie where they do that. For me... Harley needs friends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very like, much so. Remember when she meets Katana and you're like, wow, Harley Quinn is great. Yeah. And then after that, everything else she does in Suicide Squad is annoying. Yes. Yeah, so Harley Quinn needs, Harley Quinn needs <laughs> friends. For me... That it, it has a little bit of a rough start because I'm like, oh my gosh, are we gonna spend this much time with Harley Quinn? Um, and and yes, I think we are. But what I will say that I do very much appreciate about this movie is, is it's a movie that is specifically about her, and I think in a lot of bigger terms as well about the character of Harley Quinn, finding her own two feet in a broad cultural sense. I know in the comics they've done it, and even in other animated shows they've done it, but. Here it seems like this is the opening up of the character to being like, no, it's not just Joker's girlfriend or Joker's sidekick. Um, she does end up standing on her own two feet here and becoming her own unique character, which I ended up really liking spending time with. So the beginning, just 1520, was a little hard for me, but that's because I'm like, Ugh, I don't like this character. You know, um, and so I appreciate that's the arc and the journey of this film is I think that it really opens up the character into being somebody that is never fully like a good guy. I don't think they try to make her that. Um, She's a little sly. Yeah, absolutely. She's a little trickster. Yeah. Um, and it's also very clear that the end birds of prey part of this, it that's like one and done. Like the next movie could theoretically be Harley Quinn versus the birds of prey and it would make equal amounts of sense. Gotham Sirens versus the Birds of Prey. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, performances are solid. I think we mentioned it. Margot Robbie is great. Um, Journey Smollett Bell, mm -hmm. who plays uh, Black Canary, is wonderful. I think she's given a lot of... Uh, she's she's given a lot of the heavy lifting. Yes. Yeah, 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 Especially for an actress that I did not know who she was prior to this movie. I was like, all right! And I think that was what was so refreshing is that you we had it felt like fresh, it felt like a fresh breath of air. Uh huh. Um, and I really enjoyed her scenes, and I really enjoyed what they did with the Black Canary character with this modern times because <clears throat> I like Black Canary in the comics, but yeah. she doesn't. She's not the most interesting or like twenty twenty woke character, right. but like, I liked the changes that they made yeah. with that character. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong, like, okay, even like, we can talk about it with Cassandra Kane. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking characters that exist in the comic books and updating them for A, film, B, mm -hmm. 2020, C, whatever. Like, there's no yeah. issues with it, but like, and I think that if you're so beholden to the comics, you're missing the idea of an adaptation. Well, even the idea that, like, comics have existed since the 1930s and before, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of these characters that we hold up as, like, the grand characters of the day are even, like, I believe these Birds of Prey type characters, uh, most of them are around in the 80s and 90s. 90s, yeah, 80s and 90s. Um, it's kind of where they come in, which is... 30 to 40 years ago, depending on when they're around, 
they're going to even in comic form evolve and change and become something different. And you have to allow for that for screen as well. Cassandra Kane is a Batgirl in the mm-hmm. comic books, but because Cassandra Kane is 13, that doesn't make any sense to put yeah. in a movie. In a comic, we're like, yeah, Batman, throw Robin into danger. Good. <laughs> Here, everyone's like, she's a child, be safe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, Lego Batman, we're like, good, throw Robin into danger, good. But that's <sighs> animated. Yes. And so, like... I, like and it's Michael Sarah. Uh, so... <laughs> well, and I remember, as we were looking at the poster, I was like, this might be Cassandra Kane, And, like, I don't, I didn't need her to be Batgirl at the yeah. end of this. I didn't need her to go fight and be all these things. When I saw Ali Wong was in this movie, I was like, oh, that's Lady Shiva. And I was wrong, and that's okay. When you saw Ali Wong was in this movie, you thought she would have a part. Well, she she was a love interest. A past love interest. <laughs> that was her role. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, and that even says, not that I want them to go down this path, but even with Cassandra Kane being a future Batgirl, like... That's an interesting story that you could choose to tell, mm-hmm. like, two or three movies down the line between Harley and her, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we haven't talked about Ewan yet. <laughs> what, what, what is there to say, Josh? Choices were made. Oh, before we get to Ewan, <laughs> who's great? Uh, good performance. I, um, it's ranked number three of my Ewan performances. You're not. You're, you're probably not wrong. Um, oh, it's so inspired. <laughs> it's bonkers. All I because I compared it to some. I was like, he's closer on the Nicolas Cage spectrum, and but he's more controlled. Like he's on the Hugh Grant spectrum. Well, because that's the whole point is yeah. that that char- all that character wants is control of anything. Yes. And so, like, even, like, his performance is controlled, but, like, everything about that character is terrifying to me. Uh, yes. And I loved it. Loved every second. There are... I found some... Okay, so, the character is awful, horrible, terrible, no good, very bad, awful character. We're talking about the... Perf- when I say great, no, I I'm know. talking about the oh, performance. I know, I know. I, I need I was, the audience to be aware. I was agreeing with you and then moving forward. There are some moments in which I think... We're supposed to be disgusted by the character, and then there are other moments where I'm just even more disgusted than when they're trying to disgust me. They're maybe they're trying to disgust me both times, but I will not speak as in vagities. I'll I will say it. there's a moment where there's a terrible thing where he tears uh, a woman's dress, the faces oh. off of people, and that is meant to be disgusting and disturbing. But the moment you reference is actually the moment that is horrifying to me. Yeah, I mean, like, people taking off faces, we've seen that time and time again. (sighs) Trying to find the word that's not good. Um, The film makes you feel what it's like to be afraid to just walk outside, and I think that that's a really excellent thing to put in a superhero movie especially where most of your quote-unquote superheroes don't actually have powers they're just people who are deciding to overcome the horrors of the patriarchal society and i think that that's a really good strong message to put into birds of prey particularly and i like it i like it a lot i think that it's there and that's why i think that like for me if we had talked about this movie like Thursday, right after I saw it, I might have been a little bit more like arms foldy crossed on it. 
But, like, because I will say that, like, I was I enjoyed my experience, but, like, watching the movie, it, it does struggle with some basic cinematic functions that, that I think help make a movie great. But when you take this movie apart and look at it in its pieces, it's got a lot of really good things in it. Is totally cool, and it's like a great character, and so it's just equal representation of I think all all of it, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, Rosie Perez, we haven't talked a lot about her. Uh, she plays great Montoya. Oh, her bit is great. I love, uh, I great. love it. Well, I'm yeah. so glad that she just talks like a cop, <laughs> like a TV cop. Uh, it's it's just amazing. I, I thought it was there. Um. I think one of the issues, so one of the stories of this movie is that it is not a giant box office hit. Mm-hmm. I want to just sidestep any sort of thoughts that it has to do with it, that it's a female superhero movie, because I don't think that has anything to do with this. I think the R rating is the problem, and you mentioned this the other day, too, um, it, when we were watching the Oscars. Or no, no, sorry, you mentioned the title. Um, There's a title... There's the fact of who is Harley Quinn's audience. Yes. Um, and I think both of those are really big issues here. Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie needed, capital N-E-E-D, needed to be rated R. It can be. I have no issues with it being rated R. But by doing so, for mostly the ability to show some blood and swear. Yeah, that's really all it is. Um... You're cutting off a, a giant chunk of your audience, 13 to 17-year-old people, who I think would go to this movie in droves mm-hmm. if it was easier for them to see. And Harley Quinn being a character that is not on the level of Logan or Deadpool doesn't already have, I think, a built-in audience that's going to come in as quick. I think you are still trying to build the, the popular Harley Quinn audience. So the R, the R rating heard it. I don't, I don't know. The title, I agree that the word Harley Quinn definitely should have been higher in the title. Um, I like that they took a risk and a chance on a, on a really fun title, but it seems like they had already, by the time they put it out there, just wanted to call it Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not even a Birds of Prey movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's a Harley Quinn movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I rest my case. Now, on to the next film. Later that day, I saw a film called uh, Gretel and Hansel, uh-huh. directed by uh, Osgood Perkins, as we all know, son of Anthony. Um, Is that true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Sorry, Oz Perkins is the son of Anthony, Anthony Perkins. Perkins. I, it was, <laughs> you said it in a way where I was like, it could be that, like, bit where you're like, you know, son it's of the, this person. It's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> um, Oz Perkins, best friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> I went and saw uh, his film Gretel and Hansel. Oz Perkins is not a, a well-known director. He's kind of a weird director. Uh, he's got two other films, which are The Black Coat's Daughter and I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House, a Netflix film, uh, which he made these films to overcome things uh, with his depression about uh, the loss of his parents. I think that's great. Well, he He's a bit of a bonkers person. Like, I was trying to compare him to Alejandro Jodorowsky with you, and I... That, so sorry. It's okay. I'll, so sorry. I'll, someday I'll find my people. Um, 
I went and saw this film because I like his other two films. Um, I went and saw this, and then afterwards, I read that he intended to make this for children, <laughs> and I thought, weird choice. Uh, it's got the It Girl, um, Bev who lives on Bevy who lives on the levee. Um, I don't know her name. Mm. I like Bevy who lives on the levee. Okay, so from <laughs> It, uh, sh- she plays a very. This film is like it's a very slow, slow burn. Um, it's similar to that of the witch in way with tone. I mean, we're also talking about witches, so it's similar to that. But tone and style reminded me a lot of the witch. It reminded me a lot of Jodorowsky. I think that what it, I think that what it's trying to do. It's something really unique and interesting. I quite liked it. I don't think a lot of people would like it. I saw it in a theater with two teenage boys who kept getting up and leaving. So, I... So they weren't on board with it either. Yeah, I don't think most people should see this. It did weirdly well at the box office, but that's because I think people thought it was going to be a traditional horror film, and it is quite the opposite. I mean, you asked me if you should go see that, or... Ford v. Ferrari again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Full titles. Academy Award winning film Ford v. Ferrari. Two time Academy Award winning Ford v. Ferrari. There you go. Uh, And I said, well, you'd probably enjoy Ford v. Ferrari Ferrari more, but I just want somebody to have seen this movie, so I know if I should go see it. Uh, Josh, I think if you're going to see it, you should... I think that if you're going to see it, you should see it in theaters. Yes. So that you're not distracted by the outside influences of the world. Um, that was my goal, was to try to see it in theaters. <laughs> However. Uh, is it still here? Uh, it might just be down to one if it's okay. still here. Um, but anyways, weird time. Good time. I liked it. Anyways, Josh, up next, what did I see next? Oh, um, the greatest film of all time is, I think, my next film. A little phone. Company. Went and saw Parasite. I went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog. And had a great time. I, I had a wonderful time. Glad one of us did. <laughs> Tell me about it, Josh. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sonic the Stupid Hedgehog. <laughs> Uh, sorry, you had mentioned that Gretel and Hansel had done well at the box office. I was trying to find it. It's did fourteen million mm-hmm. on a. I'm assuming it's on a budget of a dime. <laughs> yeah, so, so it did great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like, yeah, okay. It's done worldwide. Yeah. So it's uh, I actually had its budget at one point, but it was like a million dollars. It so far has made the same amount as Fantasy Island. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, considering it was released by nothing and had... I did not see a trailer for this. You know what I saw? I saw one trailer for it. I saw a cardboard cutout. <laughs> and that was my advertisement for it. All right. Um, Sonic... Uh, Rolling around I'm, at the speed I'm of sound. I'm really glad that it's going to win the weekend because <laughs> all of the people that were whining and complaining about the look of Sonic definitely need to go out and watch this movie in 
in theaters and pay because a studio actually listened to you. Now, maybe what they should have done, besides working on the animated Sonic character, is worked on the plot, the characters, the caring about anything in this movie. You know who cared about this movie? No one. Jim Carrey. I think Ben Schwartz did too. <sighs> okay. I have a very personal like thing here. Not mm-hmm. personal, because I'm sure there are other people in the world. Uh, ben Schwartz, mm-hmm. voice of Sonic, mm-hmm. also voice of Dewey Duck in oh. the new DuckTales, uh, and is giving the exact same performance, only in DuckTales there's better writing. Um... And that was that just bothered me because I'm like you're not even doing anything different than what you do over here. But what if he you're was just doing it the same? But what if he that was how he was directed to do it? That's not his fault. Then. <laughs> okay, like, I'm not. Okay. I'm not complaining about him. I'm I just feel like I feel like you've already tied him to the cross. Well, no, I want him to keep doing Dewey Duck. I like it. Go, go, be Dewey. Um. I was bored. I was Why bored are by you yelling so much? I because this is what I. That's who I am. Oh, just. Josh, um, Josh, you always tell me how it's so hard to get kids to go far, and then you, it's easy to pull them back. I need you to pull back. I say it's a joy to pull them back. All right, I need you to pull it back then. <sighs> I was bored. Um, I liked maybe the first, like, listen, there was a Guardians of Gahul section of this movie <laughs> that I was on board with, and then uh, there was, like, a hot second where James Marston, 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 was um hanging out in Montana being a being an average Joe. <laughs> He's a donut lord. He's a donut lord. <laughs> donut Lord's a good name. It's a good name, it's solid. Why am I the donut lord? Because <laughs> you talk to donuts and then you get rid of them when they act there out. Are good bits in this movie. Uh, huh? <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I was bored. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I tried so hard. I really wanted to. So I think what was really helpful in setting expectations for Sonic the Hedgehog was that AMC was like, we were going to set some expectations. Play all the children's trailers. Only do cartoons before this. Maybe let them know that this is a movie for five-year-olds. Wait for that Rumble trailer? Rumble. I don't know what. I'm on board. Do you know when it comes I out? I need Rumble. It's 2021. Yeah, September 2021. <laughs> yes! On board. Put it on the calendar. Will Arnett? <laughs> Will Arnett? I think so. Will Arnett. Yeah. Uh, Terry Crews? I don't know. I think that was Terry Crews. Okay. Uh, I just... I need Rumble in my life. It looks ridiculous. In every way but possible. But this children's film. <laughs> um, here, I will defend Sonic. Okay. You know, sometimes I stopped paying attention in the middle of the film, and then something happened and it pulled me back. So maybe I lost all my, all the boring parts. I was just focused on something else, and it pulled me back in. <laughs> Although there were definitely moments I was like, wow, why aren't we just running around and being a quick boy? Oh my gosh, that was one of the things that was the most frustrating part of this movie and so I was like guys you guys literally could solve this problem by giving him a map 
He literally runs to the Pacific Ocean and runs back in a second because he doesn't know where to go. And their solution is go slow. And I'm like, no, give him the map. Yeah. Maybe he just wants a friend. This is part of the journey is that he wants to make a friend. He's lonely. Then don't have him run to the Pacific Ocean. Don't give me the solution. Maybe he doesn't know how to read a map. It's 2020. Most people don't know how to read maps. Give him a GPS then. Okay. It'd be even more helpful. Be like, here, bring this back. The GPS wouldn't be able to keep up with him. Well, if the movie would have told me all of these things, I would have been fine with it. Here's my second part. Yeah. James Marsden is now a, um, a sought out by the government, so oh, yeah. he, he can't stay in one spot. So I think being with Sonic is his best guess. Eh, you know, they use they throw around the word uh, terrorist, and I don't think you can just walk down the street anymore. You need your Sonic blue hedgehog. Blue devil? Yeah. I was right. That was great. Yeah. That character was fantastic. Yeah. Chainsaw? I Love lo- it. Loved this film. Loved it. Every second, every joke, Olive Garden, the, the Olive Garden joke. I was so glad Your it paid town off. Is not big enough to have an Olive Garden. They have to drive to it. You sent me two words after you got out of this movie. Best film. He's bad. <laughs> so now is the time. Now is your time. Talk about your hero. My hero. Yeah, your hero of 2020. <laughs> Early contender for villain of 2020 and hero of 2020. Ewan McGregor? <laughs> oh, you, you, no. Um, I just, no, not hero of 2020, villain of 2020. <laughs> I don't, Josh, I don't know. There was just a part where it seemed like the director was. One part that I like. One. I really feel like there was just like moments where the director was too afraid of Jim Carrey and so he just let Jim Carrey do whatever he wanted and that's the performance that we captured. Is that why we have a dance scene in the middle of this movie? <laughs> is that the, film, is that that's the moment? That's the one. That's the one. <sighs> too good. Too good, Josh. It, it it lifted my spirits. I saw hope in this world again. I believed. Good, and I'm in fine. our secret sequel, I'm we're going to get Tails, Knuckles. Oh, you're <sighs> pitching the same sequel that I've already pitched as well. What? Oh, I pitched a sequel to Anne. Oh, okay. It's that we have Tails and then... Knuckles? Knuckles. And Knuckles comes back from the Mushroom World with... Uh, oh, spoilers... Spoilers, so sorry. Knuckles isn't in the Mushroom World. He's in the original world. Well, I'm... Because that's where the... I don't... We're, gonna, we're making a little bit of a change. Well, my... Whoa! Whoa! You can't change the... T- okay. <laughs> because uh, Dr. Robotnik's going to bring Knuckles back, and it's going to be like, this is my Sonic. He's evil. Here's what I actually... Well, okay. Here's what they would actually do. Okay. They would bring Shadow if they were going to do that. Knuckles started out as a... Villain. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're going to bring in, this is my Sonic, then you might as well bring in Shadow. Well, that's three. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, people aren't going to wait that long. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is making all the money in the world. So, my favorite Sonic game is, <laughs> for the GameCube, uh-huh. Sonic 2, uh, where Shadow's great. Love it. You got you get to You get to find these little things. I don't know what they're called but you get to keep them as pets and you can make them good, neutral, or evil. <laughs> and you can race them and teach them how to fly and make them into animals. It's wonderful. Teach them how to swim. My 
favorite one is also Sonic 2. Mm-hmm. That's for the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Because that's the that was like the system that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, real fun. I played as uh, Tails more than I played as Sonic. Mm-hmm. Tails can fly. Yeah, it's good times. Uh, but you know what? Listen. Listen. I'm going to tell... I'm going to... Hot take. Okay. Hot take. The soundtracks for Sonic... Probably, yeah. Probably the best. Like with all the games, probably better than any other game. Ooh, yeah. That's a good take. I like Thank the soundtracks you. a lot. Yeah, they're wonderful. Um, my favorite non-traditional Sonic game, like not like not like a platform, but a non-traditional one, is this one called Sonic Spinball. Uh huh. It's, it's fantastic. Sonic is trapped in an evil Doctor Robotnik pinball machine. And he's got to collect all the rings and the gems in order to get out and defeat Robotnik. Now, here's where I struggled. Okay. Okay. Because when I think of Robotnik, I think of Mega Man. Uh-huh. But what is Mega Man's version called? I don't know. Mega Man. Because Sonic also has, like, Eggman? Yes, who is the same thing as Robotnik. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Wily. Okay. Okay. So... So, yeah, so Eggman and Robotnik are the same person because it's Dr. Yes. Ivo Eggman Robotnik yes. as portrayed by Jim Carrey. Uh, you should listen to him talk about Sonic at all. He is, it's it's insane how he talks about it. I'll just leave that up for you okay, guys to go great, in. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, I, I will not argue that this is a good film. <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> I mean that's fair. That's that's fair. Um, there are definitely. I think there are people. I think that if you are a big fan of the Sonic franchise, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a film that works for you. And I haven't loved Sonic since I was a kid playing the video games. And at that point, Sonic didn't really have a character. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, you didn't watch the TV show where he then told us at the end not oh. to like do drugs. No, it was bad. I yeah. Um, yeah, see, Josh, see, I saw that as a child, and because I was dumb, I was just like, oh, this is great and wonderful, and that lowers all the expectations I need. Um, yeah, no, I've never had a relationship as, with Sonic as a character. Oh, man, Josh. Just as a, as a collecting rings person. <laughs> hedgehog. I, I, so sorry, Hedgehog. Um... <laughs> I'm sure there'll be Sonic 2. You don't need to apologize for not liking this film, Josh. <laughs> no one no one is angry right now. You just you seem really sad that you didn't love it. Well, you know, I wanted to have a good time and Jim Carrey was having a great time. Maybe you should I have come say. with me. I, I yeah. Well, I need to go see Bad Boys so we could talk about it today. <laughs> Mia culpa, everyone. Um there we go. Oh, my last film that I saw is a documentary mm-hmm. out of Sundance. Uh-huh. It's now on Netflix. Okay. It's called uh, Miss Americana. I watched it over the course of like three days. Um, and I just finished it this morning. Uh, because I thought I was going to finish it one day and then I didn't. And then the same thing happened the next day. And then this morning I finally finished it. Uh-huh. And it is a Taylor Swift bio doc. Okay. And... Uh, I don't think it's poorly made, uh-huh. but it feels like a DVD extra. Okay. And so I can't say that it's like the most engaging and engrossing documentary in all the world, 
it's definitely her sponsored and her Taylor Swift branded. Like, I feel like she's controlled the narrative on this quite a bit. Okay. Um, it very briefly goes through, like, very briefly, goes through the highlights and history of how she rises to fame, mm-hmm. then spends about 30 minutes of her falling from grace and how that affected her. When did she fall from grace? Uh, it's the whole... I guess I gotta watch this documentary. There was a whole, like, thing on Twitter that was, like, uh, Taylor Swift's... Canceled. Canceled party. Um... Yeah, that happens every other week, though. And, Everyone gets canceled every week. And then, so she was, like... And it's basically... It's... Whatever album is right after 1989, the one that has Look What You Made Me Do on it, is also in this this dark period for her. Um, And she just basically feels like the world turned against her. Uh um, And that her brand was no longer something that she felt was wanted in the world. So she apparently went away for a year. And then just came back out with her new album. And then also then that spends the last 25 minutes or so, 30 minutes of the film, uh, dealing with the fact that now she's openly political and how that has affected her career. Because before she was told that as a woman and as a singer, no one would care about her work if she was also political. Um, and basically when she was younger, they said, look what it did to the Dixie chicks and look how it ruined their career. And so, um, the movie itself. Why just, okay. I don't know. What's up? I'm just looking at numbers of her record sales and they seem fine. I don't see this dark period. (laughs) I mean, I guess she was only on the U S build billboard 200 at position number one. I guess it's not very good. Is that Look What You Made Me Do or whatever? That's the reput- That's the album as a whole. Okay. That Look What Made You... I don't know much about Taylor Swift. And here's what I will say is that I feel like in every moment of my life, there has been a popular T-Swift song. And so I guess I just never was like, oh yes, the up and down of Taylor Swift. Which is why I was interested in the film. Because mm-hmm. I think it is... It, we are it's... getting from her perspective and we don't often get things from... Yes. People's perspective. Yes. And it, to see what, how, what she wanted her career to be, what it is, how she feels that she's representing her legacy and her part of America. Um, I, I mean, Oh man, Reputation only went three times platinum. Yeah. That's that's terrible. Well, but it also wasn't like as we know, money and numbers are not a sign of quality by any means, or even that something is really well liked. Like those Transformers movies made a lot of money, always. Um, oh, I guess that's true. Her one before Reputation went nine times platinum. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is all in context. I mean, mm-hmm. there's artists that would beg to go three times platinum. So yes, um, it. it what is interesting for me was to hear her tell her story in her own words. And that's, I think, what is the value of this documentary. I do think it is skewed, um, obviously. Uh, and I think that she paints a picture of a pretty bleak world. And that's okay, because I think it's real for her. Where the documentary gets actually kind of into something unique for Taylor Swift is 
is it very briefly talks about how she felt during the Kanye rivalry thing. Um, and how she, as a 17-year-old girl, had this almost 30-year-old man come on stage and tell her that what she did was bad and wrong, and Kanye was a person she was a fan of prior to that, and how she felt standing on that stage when everybody started booing, and in her brain, they were booing her, and how that affected her moving forward. It's maybe a five to ten minute section of the movie that they talk about it, but I do think that she gets really real and honest in those moments, and I think that's where it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be a jerk about things, I do think there's times where she's performing, um, where like it feels like she knows that there's a camera in the room and I need to be expressing my emotions right now. But either way, whether they're, they're probably real feelings and real emotions, it just, it it very much seems like she's trying to shape her story with this new release of this album. And she knows that, and she says this several times, that women who are under the age of 35 are about the only women who achieve the level of fame that she has and that as she's approaching 35 she knows she needs to harness it and find a way to change the patriarchal system before um, she no longer can do so. And I think that's a really interesting point that she's come to and why she's now being open and political about her beliefs and why she stood up against this Tennessee senator that she was standing up against and things along those lines. It's a good doc. I'm surprised that it's one of the, like, best docs of the 2020 festival. I thought about I thought it was about how she is the head of Americana music. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, she does have a song called Miss Americana on her new album. Um, and she is just meaning it in the, like, culturally relevant to American society kind of way is how she's using it. I don't, yeah, so. Americana music, because Josh and I had this conversation earlier, is things like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, kind of Mm -hmm. that brand. Um, which I was like, no, she's not Americana music. No. No, no. I do think that she is an important, iconic figure to America, and especially in the last, in post 2000 i think there's not you'd be hard pressed to find bigger american icons than taylor swift so as we move forward who like rose af post 2000 yes because yeah. uh, like the other one is like beyonce yeah but she um, also started a little bit earlier. earlier yeah um i mean you already brought him up but kanye west yeah is like the other one yeah whenever rihanna started but like that's about it yeah um Oh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and Rihanna's not American, I don't think. But she's rose yes. very high in American yeah. culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that the music industry is an interesting uh, thing right now. and mm-hmm. <sighs> I wish it would maybe explore a little bit more of those things. And again, it's fine for what it is. It's on Netflix. I think it's, in, it's, it's worthwhile... Does it, does it explore the music industry more or less than the yesterday's song help? Equal. Oh, okay. 
It doesn't explore the music industry. It explores it from her point of view, uh-huh. which is an important one, but uh-huh. it doesn't it doesn't express it in any other way. It really doesn't even go into like it briefly mentions that like part of her bad reputation is that she was dating all these boys. It doesn't even really go into that story all that much. Um, her rise to fame, they just kind of assume you know it. So it's like So it's like the Mr. Robert Rogers neighbor Rob Rogers Roberts? Rogers. Rogers. Mr. Rogers it's like it. it's like that documentary. I don't know. I have a connection. I'll be so lost. I will say <laughs> that as somebody who like I listen to Taylor Swift's music every now and again, but like I wouldn't say I know much about her as a person. Um, it was an interesting little like guidepost to do it. It's also less than an hour and a half long. It's like an hour twenty something. Is it the best so, song of Sundance? I mean, I wouldn't know, but it's being heralded as one of them, so. It was strange to me that that was a, tr- a thing. Here's here's my counterpoint. Yeah. Is it... it I, without seeing the film, when you said that to me, it kind of felt like, well, is it because Taylor Swift's a big name? And so, like, having a documentary right. about, the, about a subject that's well-known, it's easier to be like, oh, yes, this documentary. Right. Because, like, if I bring up a documentary about, like, something you've never heard of, that might just go by the wayside. But if it's like, oh, yeah, the Taylor Swift documentary, mm-hmm. like, has, there, you have some connection to that, regardless of whether right. you've seen it or not. I will say that Sundance as a festival has two branches. It's got the, like, ooh, big movie star branch, and it does have its documentary branch. And many of the documentaries that we see nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars, mm-hmm. and that become the narrative thrust of the documentary world start at Sundance. So that's a place where docs do break. Last year's big one was Apollo 11, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good doc. But I also think The Edge of Democracy was there last year out of it. And so Sundance isn't traditionally a place where like the superstar biopic doc would debut, I guess is the only counter that I would have to that. However... I have not seen any of the other docs there. I can't say yes or no to like whether or not um, this one's here just because Taylor Swift is here. Maybe it was a down year and T-Swift was the only thing. I think this one's leading the conversation for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, it had good reviews. Two, Netflix bought it and put it out two weeks later. That's the reason why I think it's being leading yes. the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy when Netflix has your back. Yep. Yeah. If Netflix doesn't put out a three hour, three and a half hour movie, how many of us are going to go see it in theaters? No one. I probably would have, because that would have been my, I would have been like, I gotta see this in I theater. actually would have enjoyed watching Irishman in theaters more so than in how I did. Because then mean, you could listen to me complain for three and a half hours? This is boring! <laughs> I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna drink it. I'm gonna do it. Uh... Um, everyone, if you like your the T Swift doc, I that's fine. I might seem like I'm being aggressive about it. I don't really care. <laughs> it was fine. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad it was there. Uh, hey, I have a quick game for you. <laughs> oh, someone's a liar. We can't play a game. It's corroded, so I put new batteries in it. Mm-hmm. I have triple A's over there to prove that I bought a pack. Um, if the thing what happens is it got too corroded. Um, and therefore the the sound will not work. Oh. 
So I did. I'm not a liar. I did put batteries in there. I guess we're done with this yeah. forever. We don't have to be done with it. We can figure out a different way. We're done forever. Um, we're. That's not the game that I have we for you. We are done with this forever. Original 2020 films. Top five box office, Kylie. We've talked about most of them. Bad Boys Full Life. Do you want to guess how much it's made so far? A lot. Uh, a lot is correct. Okay, thank you. Doolittle. Yeah. Uh, that's number two. You got one, two right off the top. <laughs> I told Josh the climax of Doolittle and he said, stop. <laughs> <laughs> a film that I have not seen but has been talked about on almost every podcast that I listen to. Yep. And each of them tell me the climax of it. Uh, Bad Boys made 182 so far. Yeah, more than John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, Doolittle, 71. Doolittle 2. Um, okay, what else has come out this year? Sonic. Sonic 3, 68 in one weekend. <laughs> it's the new Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, these are just the original 2020s. There are some 2019s that are actually in here, um, but like... 1917 is a 2019 film. We've made $145 million this year so far. So I have two more. So four? Have we talked about four? We've talked about all of them. Harley Quinn. Birds of Prey. Oh, sorry. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, yes. <laughs> uh, 61 is number four. So then number five, if we've talked about it, must be The Gentleman. The Gentleman. <laughs> 31. Not The Turning? No, not the turning. Just ready yeah. up, everyone. Brahms the boy is going to take that number one spot. <laughs> uh, their actual placement in the uh, list so far of the year is one for, for Bad Boys, Doolittle's five, Sonic is seven, Birds of Prey is eight, and Gentleman is 13. Yeah. Um, I have a question. I have an answer. Why? <laughs> because? Yes. Why is Sonic such a big hit and Birds of Prey is not? Well, children. <laughs> Fair. I yeah. I went on Valentine's Day. And you know how many people were there? A bajillion. Do you know how many people had children? Most of them. Our theater was mostly empty. There was like ten or so. There was a couple of families. They walked up and down the aisles through most of the movies. That's interesting. That's why we went at the same time, but Friday versus Saturday, mm -hmm. it was full. It was yeah. so crowded. And I was like... <laughs> yeah. It was mostly empty. People sat in front of me. People sat in front of me, Josh. And I said... Were you in the Kylie row? I was... So, I'm afraid that you think the Kylie row is something different than the Kylie row. The Kylie row is the... If the theater has two bars, uh -huh. it's the lower bar. No. Oh. The Kylie row is the third row from the screen. Oh, okay. However, Kylie can't convince people to go with her to that. Okay. So, she settles for that far away. <laughs> Why do you like to be so close? I just, I like my vision to be full. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's okay, the Josh row is back. I don't like sitting in the back because I don't like watching people in front of me and, like, enjoy things. I love it. I don't like, because like, well, with Sonic, like you were saying, people kept getting up no. and walking around. I gotta be focused on this Olive Garden bit. Um, I really loved, uh, the second time I got to watch Parasite, because it was in LA, and it was a packed theater, and we were in the back, 
and like everyone was loud and they were laughing and screaming and just like the inner like the energy in the theater and did not like that i loved it like it was actually people interacting with the movie and it wasn't just it's actually one of the things that i don't love about our local audiences we have a very quiet polite audience except for when they're on their phone or talking Mm -hmm. um we don't have a very engaged audience with the movies usually um, the most you might get is people will applaud after a movie every now and again. I think that's a real theater person thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, if you have a yeah. play, you want people to interact with your play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm like, shh, no, don't. Shh, shh. Unless it's us and we're making fun of Independence Day 2. Yeah. Remember when people sat, like, on our laps yes. in the middle of that? Yes. And we were in an empty theater? Yes. That was annoying. And then we got closer to the Kylie row. <laughs> there you go. We did it. We talked about the first part of 2020. I'm sorry that I like to sit so close, Josh. It's you don't just, have to apologize. I just don't like people in front of me. I'm sorry that I like to sit so far in the back. It's right? okay, Josh. Yeah. It's, I don't, it is okay. We don't go to movies very often because of the divide. <laughs> is that why? Yeah. I've been curious. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Well, someday, Josh, we'll go to another movie again. The Gentleman was the last time we went to a movie together. Yeah. I thought it might happen last night. Mm-hmm. But alas, those bad boys, they are bad. Yeah, well, I got, the th- I got to the theater at 15 till, uh-huh. and that was too st- too, too close to get there so I needed I needed to go for something five minutes later Got so it. that I had enough time to like really ex- <laughs> that's a real thing cause I'll be like yeah. I'm gonna go see this movie yeah. and then if I don't arrive to the theater early enough I'll just go to a different movie It I don't know what's wrong with me Josh it's okay there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you Matt, hey everybody <laughs> Well, well, this is the end. Uh, forever. If No, not forever. If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? We like to have two-hour conversations about 2020 movies. Uh, hour and a half. Ah, fair enough. Um, you can do, find us at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a five-star review or any star review. Uh, that helps us get more listeners. You can hit subscribe button. That also helps us get more listeners. You can find us on Facebook at Friend of a Podcast. Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at YouTube. Tumblr. Letterboxd. Thank you so very much for listening. I've been Josh. Rolling around at the speed of sound. Got places to go. Gotta follow my rainbow. Quack, quack, quack. Can't stick around. Gotta keep moving on. <laughs>